Well, we have liftoff. We've launched a church, I think. I, I almost can't even believe that I'm actually standing here, that it really is happening. And some of you are probably thinking to yourself, honestly, why on earth would you name your church Missio what? How do you even pronounce it? I'm, people pronounce it wrong all the time. Missio Dei, Missio Deo. I've heard people say all kinds of different things. One guy said it was like the Irish woman, Miss E.O. Day. I can't, or maybe it was Scottish. I get those confused. And I'm tired of spelling it for people over the phone. You know, like when I'm telling them our email address, it's M as in Michael, I as in ice cream, S as in Sam, S as in Sam, I as in iPhone, O as in optometrist. And I'm I'm just already kind of tired of doing that. So why would you name your church such a strange and funny name? Well, tonight what I want to do is I kind of want to unpack that. I want to talk about what the word Missio Dei means. And then within that, I want to um, also kind of illuminate our mission statement. And our mission is, is there on the screen. It's Christ, community, and culture. And I hope that if we look at John chapter 17 and we talk about Missio Dei and we talk about um, our church, Missio Dei here in O'Fallon, I'll be able to unpack for you as well our mission, where we're going. Now, I went to Dallas Theological Seminary, and so it's normally my um, habit of, of going through the Scripture verse by verse exegetically, and we're going to start that next week when we go through Colossians. But tonight, I'm not going to be able to do that because we're looking at John chapter 17, the entire chapter. And if you've read the entire chapter of John 17, that's very difficult. So I'm just going to bounce around in there, and I hope you'll forgive me. And so the first thing I want to do is talk about what does this name Missio Dei mean? And if you don't mind, I'm going to come down here. The word Missio Dei is a Latin term which literally means the mission of God. It's a heavy theological term because it's Latin, right? And there were lots of Latin terms that ended in Dei. Like, for instance, Imago Dei, which means the image of God. Or Gloria Dei, which means the glory of God, or Agnes Day, which means the Lamb of God, and then there's the love of God, and the, there's all kinds of, of... What I want to do today is talk about Missio Day, Imago Day, which means the image of God, which talks about humans being made in the image of God, and then the Gloria Day, which is about the glory of God and who God is. And the reason why is because if I'm going to talk about Missio Day Church in O'Fallon and what we're going to do and where we're going to go, before I can do that, I kind of need to define, well, what does it mean to be a church? And before I can define what it means to be a church, because church is made up of a bunch of people, I need to define what it means to be a people, what it means to be a person. And because a person is made in the image of God, we have to first define who God is. And so what I want to do tonight is I want to spend about five minutes uh, defining who God is. (laughs) Right. You guys want to try to define who God is in five minutes. And then I want to spend about five minutes um, um, defining who man is, that we're in his image, and then about five minutes in defining who the church is, and then we'll conclude. And in that, we'll have some discussion time. So the first thing I want to talk about is the glory of God. This term means that God is glorious. He lives in glory, and he gets all the glory, right? He created everything for his own glory, the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and you and me. It is all for his glory. And then the scripture is replete that he wants us to worship him. He demands us to obey him and worship him for his glory. You know what? Sounds like God's kind of selfish. Have you ever thought about that? 
I mean, if I created things for my own glory, you would immediately say, Mike, you're selfish. And yet the God of the Bible expresses clearly, you exist to give me glory. This is an interesting question. Have you ever thought about it? Nod or say amen or throw a dollar in your bowl. <laughs> or take one out because you don't like that question. God is seemingly selfish. Um, one of the French extensionists, his name was Jean-Paul Zatraire. I think it's how you say his name. I don't know him. Um, he said, if there was a God, the purpose of the universe would be to glorify him. Now, he was an extensionist, so he doesn't believe in God. And he says, but if there was a God, then obviously the universe exists to glorify him. Because if you're God and you created all things, obviously it's going to glorify you. Or maybe this is, makes a little more sense. Both Pablo Picasso and Mark Twain, I think Mark Twain's from Missouri, isn't he? Yeah. Both Pablo Picasso and Mark Twain said in some way that God is the very paradigm of selfishness. They didn't like him very much. Because God does every day what he demands us not to do, which is seek our own glory. So I'm kind of having a predicament here. And you're probably thinking, okay, dude, where are you going with this? He went to seminary, right? I hope he's not going to like steer us wrong. Well, I don't know. I'm hoping you can help me get those answers. So what I would like to do is in your table talk time, answer this question, is God selfish? And, and, if, and if this is an easy question for you and you get there really quickly, maybe you can answer this question. Is this an important question? Is this a relevant question? Now, I want to say this. If you're visiting today and, and if you're, or if you're new and this is the first time you've wandered into a church place in a while and you don't want to talk, hey, that's cool. We don't, we don't want you to talk if that's you, right? We, what we want is to have good conversation and, and I don't want you to feel obligated to talk. So what I'd like to do is take about three minutes to discuss this in your tables. Is God selfish? I, I would suggest that it's a very important question especially if you're an unbeliever. I mean, I know people who are like, I'm not going to, I, I just can't buy a God who, you know, created us to give him glory and then, you know, put us on this earth and to watch us to see if we were going to figure it out and then we're still supposed to give him glory. And that's, I think, the way Pablo and, and, and Mark Twain and all of those felt. If God is selfish, then why do I want to worship him? Because he wants me to and I'm not going to. You, you ever felt that way? Let me ask again. Have you ever felt that way? Yes, because I feel that way all the time. I think it's very important that we answer this question because I do believe that non-Christians and some Christians, deep down in our hearts of, heart of hearts, we may actually picture God maybe like our own fathers or maybe just because of the things that we've experienced as a selfish being. And if we deep down inside, whether we're willing to admit it or not, believe that he's selfish, then we who reflect his image will definitely be selfish. And I know some pretty selfish human beings. Amen? And if those selfish human beings a brand new church, we could be in a risk of planting a very selfish church. A church that's really all about itself and about its own programs and its own ministry. So it's important that we answer this question, is God selfish? I'd like to read for you a quote from Dr. Scott Harrell. He's a professor of Trinitarianism at, at Dallas Theological Seminary where I went to school. He says... If God were one person, it would be difficult to deny the fact or, or avoid the conclusion that God is absolutely selfish. Did you hear that? A professor in seminary said, God is absolutely selfish. But did you notice he said, if? It's a conditional sentence. What's the condition? If God were one person. But you see, God is 
three persons. God is Father, God is Son, and God is Spirit. And God the Father loves his Son and seeks the glory of his Son. And God the Son loves the Father and seeks the glory of the Father. And the Spirit does the same. And so it's impossible for God to be selfish because he's not seeking one's own glory. He's seeking our glory as a community of God. God is in a community within himself. This is amazing. This is mind-blowing. Now, I dropped a bomb on you, right, when I dropped the word Trinity. I mean, that's a deep, theological, heavy... I mean, it's actually the foundation of all theology. We, we build everything we know, believe about who man is and about who the church is off of the Trinity. But I want you to know I'm not going to break into a doctrinal thesis on what the Trinity means because I took a seminary class on it, and I think I barely made it out like with a C, okay? It's very difficult. But I do want to show you this quote from Mr. Augustine, ancient church father. He said, if you deny the Trinity, you will lose your soul. But if you try to explain the Trinity, you will lose your mind. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the Trinity today. I just want to bring up this point. God is in a community of self-giving love. And so it is impossible for him to be selfish. Look what Jesus says in this prayer. The reason why I want to look at John 17 is because Jesus is praying to his father. And so we get to hear a little bit of his communication style with dad. And he's also praying for us. And so we get to know what's on the heart of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. So listen what he says. As he lifted his eyes to heaven, he said, Father, the hour has come to glorify your son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Oh, it's awesome. Jesus says, Father, glorify me. That sounds selfish. So I can glorify you. Why? Because you gave me to this world so that I can die for them so that they could have eternal life with you. That is the exact opposite of selfishness. So this table over here got, got the prize. It's because Jesus exists that God is absolutely not selfish. And so for us at Missio Day, the first part of our mission statement is Christ. It's all about glorifying Christ because God the Father dotes upon his son Christ the Old Testament is essentially God pulling out his wallet, right, and showing us pictures of his son. Look, there's what he looks like. This is a picture of him. I can't wait for you to meet him. And then when Jesus shows up in the New Testament, he says, look, if you see me, you see Father. If you, I only do what the Father tells me to do. And so for us at Missio Dei, we want to glorify Christ because it is through Christ that we have access to God. And it is all about Jesus. And so we're going we're gonna to worship him. We're going to glorify him with our lives. We're going to pursue him passionately in an intimate relationship because I believe we need a relationship, not just songs. And we're going to proclaim his name and make him famous in this here town. That's what we want to do. It's all about Jesus. I think I can get an amen for that. It's all about Jesus. Well, that leads us to the second point. What does it mean to be a man? If man is made in the image of God and God is three persons, what does it mean to be human? Or another way of saying it is this. Before we can understand what it means to be a person, we must first understand what it means that God is three persons. You're totally mind blown right now, aren't you? 
honestly, we could go for days on this, right? What does it mean to be a man? We have a mind and a body and a soul. We have this flesh and we have the spirit and we have relationships and it's, it's heavy, deep stuff. But I, I want, just for the sake of time, to talk about just that one thing, and that's community. God himself is in a community and he created us in his own image. And Genesis says, let us make man in our own image. And so he made us as human beings in the image of a three-person God. And what was it that was not good? The only thing that God created that wasn't good was for man to be alone. In fact, it was cruel, right? If God is in heaven and he enjoys intimacy and self-giving and love inside of a community, and then man exists in a garden alone, that's cruel. So I believe that the scripture is clear that deep down in our soul, in our spirit, I would even argue on our DNA, I bet you science could probably prove this, we have an innate desire and longing to be in relationship, to be in community. And we have within us a Trinitarian community. If you're tracking with me, I'm a person, and I am in a very intimate relationship with my wife. I'm also in a very intimate relationship with my children. I'm in a different kind of intimate relationship with my buds and my friends and my family members and my neighbors. And I'm also in a relationship with God. So I have a horizontal relationship and a vertical relationship. And so I have this kind of triune relationship going on. And if I really can blow your mind, the Bible says that that God is inside of me and inside of my wife and my children. And we have this community of relationship going on. And it's Oh, it's, it's just perfect. I don't want anything other than that. So human beings were designed and created to not be alone, but to be an intimate community. Look, look what Jesus says to God about his disciples. He says, continuing to pray about his glory, he says, Father, the glory that you have given me, I have now given them. What? Jesus gave us his glory? That they may be one even as we are one. I in them and you in me that they may become perfectly one so that the world will know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Again, we have the glory of God. He's in us just as Jesus is in his Father. And then Jesus says, and, and I want them to have the same kind of unity, the same kind of community, the kind of oneness together. Why? So that the world would know that you sent me. So that the world would know that, that, that you loved them even as you love me. And if you're here tonight and you've been out of the church for a while, or maybe you've never been to church, maybe you don't have a relationship with God, you're missing out on a wonderful community and wonderful unity. And I want you to hear this because this should startle you. God loves you as much as he loves his own son. And he gave his own son so that he can be in a relationship with you. That's amazing. And so for us at Missio Day, our second priority in our mission statement is community. And we're very specific about what we mean by that. We're not going to be a church that has community groups. We are going to be a community group that has church. We're going to be lots of little community groups that gather together on Saturday evening to rejoice in what God has been doing 
to us, in us, in our little church, which is our community group. So we're going to gather together in a home and eat food because I personally believe you can't have community without food. Chips and salsa, you know? And we're going to break bread together and we're going to pray together and we're going to study together and we're just going to talk together. You know, talk about nothing really. And we're going to get into each other's hearts and we're going to know each other and we're going to allow ourselves to be known because we know that deep down inside of us we are programmed to be in a community. And if we're in the same kind of community that God is in, where they each are looking for each other's glory, there will be no judgment and there will be no gossip. Not because judgment is bad and not because the Bible says don't gossip, but because I would never gossip about you because I love you. You're, my, you're in my community group. I'm never, I love you. I'm not, not going to gossip because it's wrong. I'm not, not going to gossip because I love you. And then this community group is going to be so tight that, like, say, for instance, someone has a baby, this community group is going to implode on itself and love all over that baby family, right? And, and if someone's going through a divorce or a tough time, we're going to know that because we know each other. And our community group is going to implode on itself and love all over that couple and help them during their difficult times. But we're also going to reflect the image of God by being um, giving to the world. Like, Je like God gave his son Jesus, we're going to explode in our world and give to our community. Maybe we'll give to the poor. Maybe we'll give to the homeless. Maybe we'll give to teens who are pregnant. Maybe we'll give to the police chief and the fire department. We just want to bless our community. That's what community looks like for us. Honestly, for me, the bottom line is this. I can get together with my friends over a bucket of hot wings we can talk about the Bible and God. And we could go for days, you know? It just gets fun. But every time we start to turn and kind of talk about the church, here it comes, things kind of go south. We all agree that we've never experienced the kind of unity or community that Jesus is praying for. Maybe we've had tastes of it in pockets, but our experience is quite really the opposite. Like we don't experience that kind of community. I wonder, do you, have you ever experienced that kind of community? The kind of community that Jesus prays for? Because you, think, you see, the thing is that even though we're made in his image and it's woven into our DNA, obviously it's not just natural or Jesus wouldn't have to pray for it. But it, it's very difficult. It takes work and people don't want to show up. don't want to be real and give you who they are. What, I, what I'd like to do in the next few minutes is discuss that in your table. Here's a question I really want to know. Why do you think it's so difficult to have real community like the kind that Jesus is praying for, even though it's dug into our DNA? You have three minutes. Well, for us at Missio Day, even though this is very, very difficult, I mean, you've, you've just proven, I mean, no one actually said, oh, well, we have true community, you know, in my community group. And I think Facebook is sort of an illustration of how hungry people are for it. I mean, there are people addicted to that. And they get on there all the time. And I've got friends who like everything I say, but I never talk to them. And I don't even know who they are, you know? So, so it, but it's this intimacy that we long for, but we, we, we won't take the commitment, the time, and the vulnerability to do it. And that is why it is a mission statement for us. It is our second priority after glorifying Christ. We are going to be passionate and committed, and we're going to pursue this adventure of being in a journey together where we have to be vulnerable and be known and then know and love. For us, success, for me, I want to say this, success rises or falls on whether or not we can build not only an uncommon community, but we can produce people who want it. 
and who would say, you know what, I got a lot on my schedule today, but you know what's more important? If I'm not there consistently, then I won't be known and I won't know. And so I'm going to be there. So that's important to us. Now, that leads us to our last point, which is the missio Dei, the mission of God. Now that we know that God is three persons and that we've been created in His image to be in a community, imagine what it would look like if you actually have a church which, which exists from 10 or 12 small community groups that are meeting throughout the city and they're coming together and they're eating chips and salsa and they're praying together and they know each other. They implode on each other in love. They explode on their neighborhood in love. What would happen to that community? Full of image bearers who are loved and who are respected and who are glorified and who love and respect and glorify. That church, if you will, that community of believers would create a revival, would create a change, I believe, in that city. There's a passage in Acts where it says these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. We would turn the world upside down if we had that kind of uncommon community on a, global, on a large level. And so for us at Missio Day, we want to be a part of the mission of God to be a kind of church that's on that same mission. The term Missio Dei literally means the mission or more appropriately, the sending of God. Because God has always been a missionary and he's always been sending missionaries, prophets, to go to the darkest alleys, to reach the furthest person, to draw that person into a community, into a relationship with God. God sent Adam. God sent Abraham and Noah and Moses and all the prophets. And God sent his only son, Jesus. Oh. And then Jesus sent his Holy Spirit and said, I'm giving you this Holy Spirit so I can send you to go into all the world and tell people that my Father loves them as much as He loves me, and He gave me to die on the cross for your sins so that you could be in a community with God's people and with God and experience love and glory and unity. And that is the mission or the sending of God. Listen to what Jesus says at the end of His prayer. He says, I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. And I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be, in one, be one. Wow. So Jesus is saying, I don't want you to take them out of the world because they got a job to do. I'm sending them on a mission. But I want you to protect them from the evil one. And I'm not just praying for my disciples. I'm praying for all of the disciples that become disciples because of the message that's going to go global in just a few short days. Isn't that amazing? And so for us, Missio Dei is, not, is the name of our church because it is what we are going to be all about. We're going to be all about being on mission. In fact, our, our third priority is the word culture. And I want you to know we chose this word culture very purposefully, not because it starts with a C. <laughs> But because the word mission doesn't mean anything anymore. If I tell you that we're on a mission, you have no idea what that means. I mean, I'm actually talking about our mission as the mission of God's church. I mean, this is ludicrous. And historically, Christians and the church has used the word mission wrong. We talk about the church that goes on missions trips or the church that has missions conferences or we're living missional lives. But the truth of the matter is, is that's the wrong way of talking about it. 
You see, mission is God's. God is mission, missio Dei. And the church is his tool sent on that mission. And so the church doesn't do mission. The church is mission. And if we see ourselves like that, then we will always be going and always be sent and we'll always be sending. And that is what we want to do at Missio Dei. And so for us, what that looks like is this. We believe that God has sent us to O'Fallon in suburbia. So our mission field is suburbia. And we have to engage the culture so that we can reach people who are far from God and draw those people into a relationship with the God who sent his son in order for them to be in that relationship. And so we chose the word culture because mission is a convoluted word, but also the word culture is a convoluted word. It's a bad word in some Christian circles. You know, we're in a culture war, but I just want you to know that Jesus says, I don't want you to take them out of the world. Culture's not the enemy. The evil one's the enemy. Yes, the enemy can use culture to get you, but I just want you to know the enemy can use the Bible to get you too. He did that in Genesis. Culture's not the enemy. In fact, I'll tell you this. Jesus lived in a culture that I have no idea what it was like, but I was, I've been told it's beautiful. And he left that culture in heaven and he came down to Palestine and he took on a very Jewish culture. He put on Jewish skin and sandals and clothes and he took a Jewish job and he was a carpenter and he hung out with people and he lived in that culture and he adopted that culture. And I'll also tell you this, missionaries have been doing this for centuries. If I go to China, I don't dress like this and tell them they have to sing like I sing. I dress like them and sing like them and try to engage them and share Jesus with them. And so we chose the word culture to say, we're not going to be on a mission trip. We are going to be people who are sent here by God to reach suburbans, to reach single mothers, to reach kids, to reach parents who are growing up with kids and trying to figure out life. That's our culture. But not only that, we're also believe that we've been sent to be senders to reflect the image of God. So we're going to send and we're going to plant more churches and lots of churches. In fact, we've made it our goal to plant multiple churches in the very first few years of our existence. I want to plant while pregnant, if you will. Before we ever get a building or buy some property, we're going to already plant another church. In fact, we've made it our ambition to plant five churches in five years so as to force in our DNA the sending nature of God. You can't call yourself the sending of God if you're not sending. And so we're going to be sending. And so our mission is Christ. We're going to glorify Christ. Community, we're going to be an intimate, uncommon community. And culture, we're going to influence and engage the culture for Christ. And so we're going to proclaim Christ, glorify Christ, bring those people into culture, disciple them, train them, send them back out into culture to go and reach more people to proclaim the gospel and bring them into community and reach them out. We're going to seek and we're going to send and we're going to repeat. That's our mission. And that's who Missio Dei is. What I'd like to do in this last discussion time is to pray. I would love it if you would pray. No, wait, let me rephrase that. I would not love it if you would pray. I need you to pray. We're trying to start a church that reaches people who don't want to go to church. And so I need your table to gather around and say, Father, Spirit, Jesus, fill this city, fill this place 
reach people who are far from God. You probably know some people who are far from God. Maybe you can throw their name there. Pray for them, not just for O'Fallon, but for your church, for your sphere of influence, for your workplace. If you would, take five minutes and just pray with your table for lost people. And, And again, I'll say this. If you don't like to pray out loud, you're off the hook. You don't have to. We only have five minutes anyway. So people, there are people who like to pray. They'll pray for you. But just listen and pray in your mind with us. We need prayer in order for this thing to actually work. Would you pray? There was one thing I, I wanted to say as well. Um, again, if you're new to the church or if you've stumbled in here or if you got invited here with a friend, I want to make sure you heard what I said. From the beginning of time, God has been on a mission to get you. He's always been going and sending to get you. He sent prophets and he's sent pastors and he sent door hangers and he sent neighbors and friends and he's going to get you one way or another. He's going to get you, get you, get you, get you, get you, if you know what I'm saying. And if you're here tonight, maybe you're here because he's after you. God, the Father who made everything, gave his son because he is in a passionate pursuit after your soul. And I want you to know that. And if you're here tonight and you're experiencing that, I want to pray with you. And I would love it if you would come and and talk with me and we can pray about that kind of relationship. He wants you and you want to be in this relationship, I promise. Now, I'd like to close. I got just about maybe one more minute of a thing I want to say. But I need your help. I would love it if you would stand up as I say these things. Because here's what I recognize. I recognize that when I get up and talk about our mission and our vision and and who we are and and what we're going to be, it sounds kind of like lofty platitudes, right? Like arrogance. Who does this guy think he is? Does he think he's really going to build a community where people don't gossip? Yeah, right. Does he really think he's going to plant five churches in five years? I want to see that. I'll be waiting. And I realize that when you speak about vision, it sounds that way. But can I just be honest with you? I I know myself, and I am not that way. I've barely finished anything I've ever started. I've got like five woodworking projects still unfinished in the basement and about 35 books that I made it.